SumaUp is next-gen body optimization from an actual doctor that's guaranteed to get you in the best shape of your life in 90 days. You'll be at peak levels for each of the fundamentals that drive your strength, energy, and even your longevity. It's a lifelong difference you'll see in the mirror, but also feel throughout your entire day. SumaUp puts more living in life. For full details on this transformative program designed for the demanding lives of today's highest achieving entrepreneurs and CEOs, visit www.startsuma.com. There's a lot of data suggesting that they likely will reduce heart attacks. What a lot of people don't recognize is you can reduce your cholesterol pretty significantly through diet. And the other thing a lot of people don't recognize is there are real side effects to taking statins, even at low doses. You know what's funny? One of my favorite podcasts, Dr. Ryan, is something called All In Podcasts. It's a group of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and venture capitalists and a billionaire or two. Mm. They did a really interesting breakdown a few weeks mm. back, Brad Gerstner. Uh, and what Gerstner was talking about was kind of something about cardiovascular health and CT scans. But what he kind of missed on was that nuance between calcified and non-calcified plaque, right? Not all plaques the same. Some plaques are stable, some are more dangerous. It's like there needs to be yeah. a deeper dive on calcified and non-calcified. Some stats were kind of alarming though, right? which is the first mm. average heart attack in guys, men is 65, women mm. is 72 years old, but like the average age of a sudden fatal heart attack that knocks out of the game, right? 50 yeah. years old. That's why we're so concerned for entrepreneurs and business centers, guys that are kind of under uh, the gun, right? They have no off button. But what's really challenging is, uh, you know, the current CT scans are, aren't the best with diving deep and between calcified and non-calcified. What are your thoughts on? Yeah, well, I mean, I think... First of all, I want to applaud Brad Gerstner for bringing it to the forefront. I mean, uh, heart disease is the number one killer of adults here in the U.S. It's, you know, the, the number one leading cause of death followed by cancer and then apparently COVID-19. So, you know, it's important that he emphasized it because a lot of people are, they think of other things like, you know, breast cancer, or prostate cancer, but it's really just, it's really heart attacks. That's for men and women. And secondly, I'm really happy that he brought the idea of the CT scans that are in, which, as you mentioned, Jay, you alluded to really refer to the calcified plaque, but he did miss that one point because the reality is there is some controversy as to what plaque is the more concerning. Uh, and first, let's let's do a deep dive. What exactly is plaque? So plaque is really the composition in your arteries. It's really consistent of a couple of different compounds, cholesterol, lipids, calcium, and fibrin, right? And so soft plaque is a plaque that is prim primarily uncalcified. And that's the plaque that many cardiologists think is a lot more dangerous because it is more prone to break down and embolize and, and potentially cause a heart attack. That's what a lot of cardiologists think. Unfortunately, the calcium scans that are done, the CT angiograms where you get a calcium score, only assess for the calcified plaque. And for many cardiologists, they feel the calcified plaque is not as dangerous. It does decrease blood flow, but it's more stable. Right, it's more stable. It doesn't have a chance to embolize, to move, right, and cause a heart attack. Right. So that's what yeah. was kind of interesting, though. Somebody that yeah. um, in that uh, echelon, they were talking about Stanford Health and you know some brand name hospital systems, right? Yeah. They didn't have access or didn't know about the nuance between the two, right? That was really fascinating. And shout out to him. He's a fantastic public, private hedge fund investor, but this is probably not his power alley. But I guess going back to uh, that concept there that on soft plaque, right? We have kind of a, a new test that does a 3D visualization. Mm -hmm. Why does that matter though? The 3D visualization and actually kind of showing well, all the different 
the idea behind it, JD, is when you have a 3D visualization of your coronary artery, so you can have a calcium score, but it's just like a score, an aggregate of all the calcium, the calcified plaques, but there could be certain areas or certain uh, lumens of certain arteries that are far more calcified or, or have far more soft plaque than other areas, right? And as we kind of uh, mentioned, the typical CT angiogram where you develop a uh, calcium score only looks at the calcified plaque. You could have soft plaque, you could have it in several different arteries. Maybe you could, it could be in your circumflex, your anterior descending, you know, your your uh, right coronary artery. You're not certain where it is exactly. You just have a you just have a number, right? And then, as, as we talked about, it really does not talk about the soft plaque. The soft plaque, which is not really discernible on a typical CT angiogram, with some of the new scans out there, particularly the one through Clearly AI, you can you can actually establish that. Whereas you might get a number, you can actually. The number doesn't necessarily, it gives you like a, like the amount of calcium in aggregate. It doesn't necessarily give you certain areas that are stenosed. Like you could have a smaller calcium score, but if most of that calcium is concentrated in one artery and you're, and it's pretty stenosed and you have, you're at high risk for a heart attack, well, that doesn't really help you, right? Stenosed meaning like um, kind of constricted, right? There's like, yeah, you know, it's blocked up. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that would kind of threw me off was um, something that maybe you have a view on. Where you know world class, we're not going to name names here in terms of the provider or the hospital system, but there was very conventional uh, tr treatment where he didn't have a non-zero calcium score, and so he was recommended a basic medication. Sorry. Right? What is your thoughts on that? You know, for somebody who's well, active, somebody who works out, somebody you know. Yeah. So like he was, he was talking about statins and uh, statins are pretty much uh, first line therapy for people who have elevated cholesterol. And there, there's a lot of data suggesting that they likely will reduce heart attacks. But what a lot of people don't recognize is you can reduce your cholesterol pretty significantly through diet. And the other thing a lot of people don't recognize is there are real side effects to taking statins, even at low doses. There's a couple of articles out there, a couple of review articles that have looked at side effects of statins, the most common being statin-associated muscle symptoms. And in someone who's active, this is a big deal, right? So by far the vast, the most common side effect people experience on statins are related to their muscles. And these can be things like oh. muscle tears or joint pain or myopathy or something called rhabdomyolysis, where basically you get muscle breakdown and you get these proteins that are thrown into the bloodstream that can potentially cause kidney disease or kidney failure or heart failure. And so it is something that's kind of overlooked because, you know, it doesn't occur to the vast majority of patients on statins, but if you're, you know, if you're an active individual, if you work Smart. out, yeah, you're much more likely to potentially see these issues. Another thing that people don't really recognize is, and this is quite controversial, statins basically block an enzyme that's crucially important in cholesterol production in the liver, right? HMG-CoA reductase, right? And so basically you just radically reduce cholesterol levels, but cholesterol is a really important uh, hormone. It's important in bile acids, important in the lipid bilator around your cell membranes, important in mitochondrial health. Everyone talks about like, you know, ensuring that your, your mitochondria are functioning appropriately. Statins actually have been linked to oxidative damage in your mitochondria. Right. And awesome. so this is something that's, that's just scarring and starting to occur. And, you know, you get oxidative damage in mitochondria, you get decreased ATP production, you get decreased, you get fatigue. Other yes. things that people have kind of thought about are, um, since statins, since statins are very important in the myelin sheath around nerves, there have been some suggestions that's linked to several neurologic conditions. It is pretty controversial, the link between statins and dementia. Some studies have suggested there's no link. Other studies have suggested there is a link. But, you know, in the literature, medical literature, we go back and forth about a lot of things. If there are studies suggesting that there might be a link, I would 
I don't know. I'd probably try to remove it. So, and there are definitely some studies that suggest that there are even links to neuropsychiatric issues like aggression, agitation, irritability, and so whoa. on. Oh, so there's a neurological decline. Like we see uh, a lot of guys, uh, entrepreneurs and businesses, like in their forties, like getting pec tears, right? And other yeah. types of sprains and because overtraining, overtraining is kind of a, a big yeah. deal. So that's one piece. And then this kind of downstream. So the, the long-term ramifications are a little questionable, right? And it's not just muscle tears. It can also be like tendinopathy, so joint tears too, or or or, or arthropathy, so joint joint issues or tendon tears. These are things people don't don't typically talk about. The other thing that I've seen in terms of our clinic, where we basically look at the patient as a as a whole and it involves supplements, diet, exercise, and hormonal optimization, statins are associated with androgen uh, deprivation. The androgen decreases, right? And so. They may be linked to low testosterone levels because cholesterol is a very important compound in uh, steroid production, right? And so, you know, it might getting on a stand might, in some part, be uh, causing someone to have low testosterone levels, which is, you know, something that has been noted but really isn't publicized that often. Because you see a lot because you work with such a large volume yeah. uh, of clients, you kind of see like the interest in the day to day. How do you get them? How do you get our clients? Like, so what I've noticed is statistically, we did a yeah. deep dive and we found out by day, I think it was uh, by yeah. day 120, the clients were off blood pressure medications, lipids, triglycerides, like all of those heart health medications. How, did you, how do you do that? Like, what is there? Well, so uh, it really depends on the patient, but I found the vast majority of patients who are willing to change their diet and stay away from saturated fats, primarily from animal protein. So changing their diet so that they eat more lean protein sources like chicken breast, fish, egg whites, turkey breast, that stuff that's really lean, that seems to radically reduce their LDL, their apolipoprotein protein B. Apolipoprotein protein B is a more direct measure of your uh, low-density lipoprotein and your very low-density lipoprotein. These lipoproteins may be linked to deposition of plaque, right? And so you, if you lower, because they, you know, they're important for, for migrating, taking cholesterol and, and lipids over to the periphery, right? So if you decrease the amount of those uh, circulating, you likely will decrease the amount of plaque formation, plaque. right? Yeah. And so that is kind of the reason why we try to keep them within a certain range. Ideally, you want to keep your, you know, apolipoprotein and protein B less than 90, your LDL less than 100, your BLDL ideally less than 20. For a lot of individuals, they haven't, you know, done a diet where they are reducing the, the fattier cuts of meat and really trying to use lean proteins and, and trying to focus. You do need fats, obviously, in your diet, but focusing on fats that emanate from flaxseed oil, extra, extra virgin olive oil, monounsaturated fats, not from processed seed oils like canola oil, which are highly inflammatory, but unprocessed ones like extra virgin olive oil or flaxseed oil, you know, fats that emanate from nuts like almonds or walnuts, essentially fats that have a higher concentration of omega-3 fatty acids, or, which are anti-inflammatory versus omega-6 fatty acids. And, then, and that also kind of drives into the other part that kind of helps with uh, reducing or improving the lip panel, reducing chronic inflammation as, as, as a whole, right? So typically that mean, that means getting rid of processed foods, utilizing foods that are closer to their natural state. For example, you know, a baked sweet potato versus, you know, French fries, trying to utilize like egg whites versus like, you know, an egg patty at McDonald's. So things that are, that are minimally processed that where people are, you know, just eating things closer to nature, that seems to help quite a bit. And then avoiding things that we know typically are linked to inflammation, like gluten, dairy, nightshade vegetables, and as we're finding out, meats high in saturated fats. The idea is we think it's really inflammation or chronic inflammation that might be the driving factor behind why 
uh, atherosclerosis or Y plaque occurs, right? And so if you can if you can do those things, you can really change your lipid panel around. And so I found for the vast majority of my patients, when we change their diet, we can we can improve those things. Another thing that's not really talked about is optimizing your testosterone levels can improve your lipid panel. <laughs> I've seen patients reduce their LDL on testosterone, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And typically, since we tend to use lower carb diets, reduce our triglycerides, right? And it, there is some data suggesting that uh, testosterone actually allows your HDL, your high density lipoprotein, to work more effectively. And that is a lipoprotein that removes cholesterol from the periphery and brings it back to the liver. And so there's a lot of things you can do. And whereas Brad Gerstner, I'm really happy he brought to the forefront because this is a really big deal. I yep. mean, I, if you ask the average uh, patient, like what, what's the bigger killer, particularly for women, a lot of women will be like, oh, it's got to be breast cancer. No way. Breast cancer is way down the list in comparison to heart disease. Heart disease. Yeah, that's so, pretty sad. And uh, yeah, just to kind of give them a shout out, they talked about the full body scans, right? And we recently did that and we'll do, we'll do a breakdown actually, doctor, and you'll kind of look at mine on, we'll show it and we'll, we'll kind of get your analysis of it. But that was interesting, right? So they, they have a really good eclectic kind of breakdown of different topics. What I do like about them is, yeah, they're, you know, some of them have a good track record of entrepreneurship, founding and, and starting companies or being high up. Uh, one of the, uh, the, part, the people on the, the show was, you know, he was a former head of growth at Facebook. Another one founded Yammer, right? So there's like a track record of excellence, right? And that kind of ties to our, our, our practice, right? Because we work really well with like these guys that have a summit, right? They have a mountain to climb. And who that is, is somebody that controls your hours. That's a founder, that's an entrepreneur, that's a business owner. They're still in the game. Every kind of week we have like somebody that inspires us, right? Yeah. And recently, like we've had a whole ton of clients that own a bunch of Taco Bells and Burger Kings and franchises. And uh, we've kept hearing this name. This one name comes up over and over and over again, Greg Flynn. And Greg yeah. Flynn, my goodness, right? He just, uh, it was a phenomenal run uh, of what he has accomplished, right? So his long-term story, he, he is probably the largest franchise owner in the world today. He went to Stanford Business School, right? And he was one of the best speakers there, right? So I, I went there. It was interesting because he didn't go into VC or tech, right? He went into franchising yeah. food. And so he got to start basically by creating something called World Wraps, like which, which was a restaurant that was kind of trying to be the mini Chipotle back in the 90s, right? And he got to 14 stores, but then he kind of hit some problems uh, with raising capital, kind of getting banks to give him the capital for growth and getting customers because they didn't know who World Wraps was, right? They didn't have a proven yeah. brand name. He couldn't kind of get landlords to just be like, hey, look, like, yes, we will be here for a long time, right? We're a proven name, like we're going to be there. So he, he kind of was like, I, how do I really find the right opportunity? He got lucky by kind of finding about uh, uh, Applebee's, you know, multi-unit owner that was selling eight units in Seattle. He kind of reached out, found it, and he went off, right? He basically found out, hey, look, Applebee's had a good brand name. And others wanted to back them. Customers already knew the brand back in the 90s. And so he took a loan out and he acquired eight. And over time, he just focused on it. Nothing else. He didn't have a side business. He grew the eight to 400. For the next 10 years, yeah. right? one business, singular focus, and just right? focus on again and again. One business, and, right? And what's interesting is, you know, I think I know the the guy you're referring to, this this particular individual had, well, I think it was 80 Taco Bells, JD, something like yeah. that, right? And our client, uh, he's good. He actually, he was a, he actually wished he'd taken the Greg, uh, Greg Flynn approach because um, I guess back in the 90s, Applebee's had just such a wonderful name. I mean, today, right. you know, it's kind of plus, plus or now, <laughs> plus or minus now, but back then, I mean, it was like the place to be. 
And he sometimes feels like going a little bit up market, you know, changing, changing the type of customers that you entertain just uh, takes away some of the hassles that, and, that he does. He's obviously quite happy and he's doing very well with his, you know, empire of 80 Taco Bells. But when he was uh, talking to me candidly about growing it, he had wished he had done something a little bit more high end. Yeah, but it's interesting because like it, it, in 2011, he actually kind of did what exactly what you're saying, where he flipped away from Applebee's and he diverse, he went to like 60% fast food and 25% mm. full service, right? And so he started kind of buying different brands. And so if you fast forward today, right, to 20, 2023, like he has Arby's, Wendy's, Panera, Applebee's, Taco Bell, and, and, and Pizza Hut's, right? And there's just so many different brands he has, right? It's almost like 2,400, I believe. What's interesting about him is like what I say about a lot of our successful clients, like he's he's really just basically a 30-year overnight success story, right? And that yeah, was just like a fascinating kind of takeaway. You know, he just kept going after it. And, you know, one of the quotes he said in one of his podcasts is, it's as hard as to build a billion-dollar business as a $100 million business, and you might as well aim ambitiously as high as possible, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> Just a remarkable entrepreneur, just the ability to kind of focus on the long term and and find the right team and and use patience, persistence and capital kind of to scale up phenomenal. And you know, it's yeah. it's interesting because another client owns 120 uh, dominoes, right? Yeah. Uh, he's doing yeah. pretty well. There's another client that has um, a bunch of burger, I don't know the exact ones, Burger Kings, right? And, yeah, yeah, I think it was Burger King. I think yeah. it was Burger King. So it's just like these repeatable models. Are yeah, so, super I'm, impressive. I wonder if it's kind of the same idea when people have investment portfolios and they they spread it across different uh, types of investments: real estate, stocks, uh, you know, bonds, etc. Maybe he thought there's something on a micro scale in the restaurant business. You know, fast food, middle range restaurants, high end restaurants. I don't, I don't know if he if he thought about that. Like, obviously, he's been in this for a long time, so he's obviously had, has a lot of smart people looking at the industry. I wonder if that that was the reasoning behind why he did that, but pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is like, uh, you know, on the few podcasts he, he, he's done and he's done some, some mm-hmm. talks at Sanford B school, right. He had a kind of a belief in the, the long-term vision, right? So he was really high conviction, stubborn on the vision, flexible in the details, very similar to, to Bezos, right? What was interesting though, was he had a really very talented group of leaders that were focusing on different areas. So one person was in, in charge of like getting some capital, getting finance, right? Another person was charged with operations and the operations person like had like these federations, right? State and local people. And they just kind of rolled up and, you know, every person kind of had a KPI or some sort of area of responsibility. And he really had a very systematic way of approaching his leadership, right? And what was interesting was not only did he kind of create this business on the forefront, but he also is a real estate investor, a pretty large commercial real estate investor uh, on the side, right? And because he had the scale today, right? He was able to weather through the COVID-19 pandemic and kind of start uh, aggregating even further. And I think really it boils down to the kind of patience and and, and persistence and, and the persuasion, right? It's really just so super disciplined, right? How many times do you hear a client come or some potential or somebody come to us and says, Hey, I have 10 businesses and they don't make more than like, you know, seven figs, right? And then you hear somebody who's like, yeah, we do well. And they have an eight figure, nine, right. But they focus on one thing and just kept, you know, yeah, whacking it's, at it's, it, right. Kept going at it. Right. Yeah. It's That's almost kind of, counterintuitive. You think that, you know, when, when you, when you get more wealthy, you these more, you'll have more opportunities and, and, you know, that they'll be thrown at you. They'll actually be pretty good. And you, and you want to aggregate as much uh, deal flow as possible. But it's like you said, in, in our, 
you know, N of a uh, thousand patients, uh, we have seen that basically the opposite is true. The people that are most successful just focused and, you know, dialed on one thing and, and they did exactly what Greg, Greg did. They really, you know, that whole, I used to kind of think it was kind of cliche talking to a successful CEO and he's like, I'm the dumbest person in my company, which obviously that person wasn't. But I guess what that person was really trying to convey is that they surround themselves with a employees, like incredibly astute employees that are they're ready to take on everything that have a can do attitude that if there's a problem, they are solutions oriented and they will find that solution. And that's kind of what the takeaway that, that I got from that, that podcast. Again, just surround yourself with excellent people. Make sure that, you know, when you, when you investigate someone, you hire slow, fire fast. But when you catch someone that's really good, try to cultivate them and grow them. And, you know, I think you did that. He 10x that and he, he got some really, really amazing people around him. And obviously the way in which his business grew is a testament to the fact that he, he picked the right people. 